Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Howdy, friends. Got a really special old buddy of mine here on the show. Christina Merrill and I met probably 20 years ago. She is the founder and CEO of the Bone Marrow and Cancer Foundation, which has been around for 30 years. She's had one job, literally, running this incredible organization from scratch in the late 1980s when there was nothing long before I was diagnosed, and it was pretty crappy then, too. Anyway, she came in studio. I haven't seen her in a very long time. We bonded. We mishpach. We did all the right things. We caught up. I asked her, how are you still doing this? She's like, why did you leave Stupid Cancer? Lots of nonprofit founder therapy going on in the first half of the show. She's here to talk about Cancer Buddy, a brand new mobile app that she released through her organization that's basically peer-to-peer chat-based support for anyone affected by cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, providers. It's just a safe space to do private texting and match with people just like you on your terms based on what you want, what you need, or what you never knew you needed. Cancer Buddy is right now available only for iOS, so check the App Store and get it there. But Android's coming soon, and you're going to learn all about it right now. Let's get started. You know, for like 20 years, I've never noticed if it was like Christina, Christina. Do you get that yep. a lot? Yes. Do you thank your parents for that? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you for coming on the show. It's great to be here. I mean, I haven't seen you in mm. eons, but I feel like seeing you now is like we never lost touch. I know. That's what longstanding friends are about. It's really fantastic. Yeah. I love talking to people who, well, like most people don't know our backstories. Like I'm a concert pianist, you know, you're a social worker. You happen to be just this person running this organization and no one asks you, why do you do it? Mm-hmm. I found that, you know, some people, oh, what got you into this? Oh, I nearly died when I was in my 20s. I have a colleague who's a pediatric oncologist. She switched gears to work for drug development, got a medication passed. But no one knows she's a pediatric oncologist anymore. She's not the head of diversity at blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you, do you feel the need to let people know why you do this? Or you're just kind of like, all right, I'm just, I'm just me doing this great stuff. Well, most of the time people ask, did you have cancer? Mm. So that's really the first question that I always get asked. And the fact is that I'm fortunate that I do not have never experienced cancer. And I am a social worker, and I worked in pediatrics 35 years ago in New York City, and it changed my life, seeing these kids 
and these families go through this life-changing experience that turned their whole worlds upside down. And they were in new territory that they had no clue on how to navigate. And it just inspired me to start this organization, the Bone Marrow and Cancer Foundation, 30 years ago, to help families and patients navigate through this unfamiliar territory. So I, I hear 30 years ago and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's what, the, the 80s? <laughs> right? I know. There are so few groups that existed back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were in, in sort of concert with like the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship, was Patient Advocate Foundation even there yet? I don't right? think there was so, Livestrong was a far cry. It was a dream. I think Coleman even started in the late 80s. It was almost like the Wild West. Yeah. Before we get to that, before we get to what I want to ask you next is, did you always want to go into social work? Or was that like a happenstance fluke? I think I really wanted to go into become a doctor, a pediatric doctor. And I have a untraditional background. I was an equestrian rider and showed around the United States and in Europe and was homeschooled and didn't quite have the confidence to go take my MCATs. So I thought, oh, I'll go to social work school and see where that takes me. And so I consider myself saving lives every day, but I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a social worker who is an advocate for cancer patients and have definitely saved lives every day for the past 30 years. Is it, is it equestrian? Is it like a gender, like like actor, actress? No, equestrian. Just, Everyone's an equestrian. Yes, just okay. jumping uh, horses. And, and, and that was my, I was an athlete. So what was the name of your first horse? Uh, my first horse was Eloise. Eloise. Eloise, because I loved all the... Um, books, Eloise at the Plaza. That's right. Oh yeah. my God, we're old. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I tell people that I started stupid cancer in 2007. They're like, that was like the Crustaceous era. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about there was no internet. There yeah. were flyers, stamps on pieces of paper, AOL floppy disks. How does one get the word out? Because we're going to get to how does one get the word out today yeah. when there's too much shit yeah. in the world. How did you get that started? I started very focused in New York City with the New York City hospitals, and I was giving out financial grants. So that was unusual. And so it just started to grow, and it organically grew from state to state to state till we became a national organization. Did you save, you know, like how stores save their first dollar? Did you save your like C3 tax status certificate? Of course. Is it on the and, wall somewhere? And our first donation. Nice. How check. much was your first donation? My first donation, my father. So it was a family affair. Mm -hmm. My father was a jazz musician and composer. Wow. And he, in New York City, we had our very first event at the Copacabana on the West Side. Now I can't get the song out of my head. Yes. Thank you, Barry Manilow. Yeah. <laughs> And we did our first event there. And so I, our first dollars was from that event. And that really launched us. That's fantastic. Yeah. Why bone marrow? I, when I first started in social work, I did my internship at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in 
bone marrow with Dr. Richard O'Reilly, who changed my life. He was incredible pediatric oncologist and and bone marrow transplant specialist. And these kids are, it was like a boy in the bubble. Mm -hmm. So they were in this very sterile environment for months. And so it just, I had so much passion for, to help these families kind of be able to cope with their kids being so isolated and alone and for them to be in the hospital for so many months at a time. So back then, I mean, syllables like, uh, you know, acronyms like BMT probably were not parlance. Yeah. Everyone I think today has heard of bone marrow transplants. Uh, we're going to get to, is it less worse these days because of medications and drug development? But what was it like back then to drain a kid Yeah. and to have them at the brink of death in the bubble? Yeah, it was, I mean, they've had such incredible advances since 1990s, early 90s and late 80s. And so now they're even doing transplants outside of the hospital in housing areas that are affiliated with the cancer centers. So it definitely has changed over the years. Do they still have to do, like they still have to puncture the bone? Is it still that barbaric? Yeah, they have to know. I mean, they do a couple of different ways to get stem cells or bone marrow. Right. And um, so they have all different sort of, you know, phoresis machines for stem cells, or they still, some doctors prefer to get bone marrow out of your bone to be Yeah, that's the bar- barbarism that I went through in yeah. 1996, like yeah. kept jabbing my femur, yeah. like without anesthesia, like I'm yeah. in the worst pain of my life. Yeah. They still do that without anesthesia unless you're, you ask for it. That's so terrible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same. Same, yeah. So if you had to look at, again, like I, I'm a creature of history. I love to look at better problems to have today, mm-hmm. like not knowing your app exists, which we're going to get to in the second half of the show. Can you point to any one or two specific things that really revolutionized not just your capacity to lead your organization, but to explain why it's important? Yes. Well, the fact that families with especially with pediatrics or or with spouses and family members they need to be their their patient's caregiver and caregivers are so incredibly important and often if a transplant patient at the time because we initially started out as just the bone marrow foundation and then we we rebranded to bone marrow and cancer so we help all cancer patients now but at the very beginning, it was bone marrow specifically. And if you didn't have a caregiver, you often were denied to even have treatment. Because if you didn't, if you didn't have somebody by your side to help you through a very aggressive treatment, you weren't going to be able to make it. Yeah. So the caregiving part was so important. So I really wanted to focus on the fact that I wanted to give financial grants out to families so that they could have the support system and the structure to be able to have their best chance to get through treatment and have their family around them. So did you work at all with the children's oncology group? No. Because they're the ones that ideally set the guidelines for what should happen and what should be reimbursed. And mm-hmm. like, you don't want to get this first and then get this first. Like what's in the interest of the child with that specific type of cancer? Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I asked because they were the first group that I met 
when Livestrong was getting its kind of comeuppance in the mid-2000s mm-hmm. because they needed to adapt to young adult protocols and long-term pediatric mm-hmm. cancer protocols as survivorship, which was invented in 1986, yeah. was finally getting some legs and gumption to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, our I guess we were the little engine that could, and we were working very independently to just provide as much assistance as we could to families that were turning to us for, for financial grants and assistance. What was your first email address? The first, I think it, it was an AOL. Right. right. Yeah. Bonemarrowedaol.com. Yeah. yeah. No, I, dot, or, or maybe we, I don't know if we had, I guess we had, maybe it was just my name, Christina Merrill at AOL. Right. And then, and then we became, you know, with the URL, you know, at bonemarrow.org and. Right. Grew from there. Remember life before the domains? I know. <laughs> I know. Or, or even I, I laugh with my kids because I remember so clearly the huge first cell phones that you could put in your car. Right. Yeah. So I, I love memory lane. I love we have to look at how far we've come. I recall, and I think you'll nod your head here on the radio, like manually stapling stuff on my kitchen table yeah. to be put in like envelopes and yep. bulk FedExed to different yeah. cancer centers. Yeah. Was that the best way that you got the word out about yourself before the interwebs? Yes. I have the original brochures that I I actually was I was a social worker at Mount Sinai Hospital in the adult bone marrow transplant unit. And I had this wonderful patient that I became so incredibly close to there and her little girls and her husband. And she was my first patient that was featured on our brochures. And I went, we, I met her at Mount Sinai after she got out of transplant with her little beautiful girls. And she, we did a whole photo shoot. And then I sent those brochures around the United States to all the different cancer centers. That's amazing. And she was my poster child. Are you still in touch with any of the kids whose lives were helped by your efforts 10, 20 years ago? Definitely. Yeah. 100%. We just, there's one young girl that is now about 24 years old and she just finished nursing school. Oh, that's great. And she's going to become a, a, a nurse in an oncology setting. Yeah. So we hosted these annual conferences at Stupid Cancer. I know we mm-hmm. you were involved in many of those. We mm-hmm. were this circus yep. tent for a bunch of groups. Yeah. And... There's this running joke that the 2008 event never happened because there's no photos, <laughs> there's no flyers, yeah. there's no proof it ever happened except for the fact that my dad and I were there yeah. with two other people who from Leukemia and Lymphoma yeah. Society. So funny. Just a couple of months ago, total random LinkedIn from this person that I maybe pseudo-recognized, they're like, Matt, I haven't talked to you, I haven't seen you since that very first OMG Cancer Summit. I'm like, you were there? They had a photo oh, wow. of themselves at the after party at Planet Hollywood. I'm like, vindication. <laughs> it really happened. Yeah. So I love I that know. there is this like alumni class of people who still hold sacred the relationships that were created to help them get through their crap. Yes. I have a wall in my office and it has all of our old newsletters that we used to send out through the mail and I have what? Yeah, through the mail, US Postal Service. And I have them hung on our wall in our office. So it's kind of fun to look back over the years. My God. 
<laughs> does anyone does anyone need to know how annoying it was back then? Because yeah. it's so much different and weirder and better than ever before. Everything's so quick now, and you can really make a quick impact on people's lives because of the fact that they can find you and reach you. So it's amazing. Did you have like the old school forums back in the day? Yes. All, we had forums. Yeah, we have we had lots of forums yes. for all of our different programs. Yeah, you keep making different sections yeah. and it, yeah. And like, I, I would store them in my garage out on Long Island. And every seven years I would bring them in to put them in a recycle bin and just keeping all the paperwork. The sign-up sheets, yeah. right? Like we had these, um, yeah, we had these like happy hours and people would show up to them and we'd have sign-up sheets. Yeah. There were no QR codes in 2007. No. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So you're still running this organization. You are a lifer. I got to give you all the props in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm so passionate about the foundation and have over the years worked basically for free and I love this work. It, it feeds my soul. So I can't even imagine giving it up. All right, we're going to be right back with Christina Merrill and the Bone Marrow and Cancer Foundation. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Man, that sunset is Gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So we were talking before the show about what it took for me to step down from stupid cancer. I don't know how you did that. I'm not here to convince you to do that. I'm just saying that life's good on the other side in many, many cases, but it's really hard to give up your baby. You are an example of, of someone who does not have Founder's Syndrome because you're still in it. You're still authentic. You're not exasperated. You still deal with the, the, you know, the underbelly drama that most founders mm-hmm. have. But I really do commend you for sticking with it in a way that, you know, like 
that person's really got to go. Yeah. So you're not that kind of person. I hope I'm not. I feel like I'm somewhat of an entrepreneur. So, and I'm a social worker. So I've always created all of our programs, but I'm also constantly thinking of ways that I can do better. And I'm open to all input from everybody around me to keep, you know, challenging myself to do better for families and patients. And you are. You're like, what is it? What's the Wayne Gretzky skate with the pucks going to be? Yeah. And you've done that quite well. Uh, so we're going to get the app. But outside of that, like what have been some of the innovations? What have you done with the foundation? Let's say even just in the past couple of years with the internet becoming all socialized. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the biggest piece of it is that we have been able to do a lot of online counseling and free therapy for families and navigation and a lot of other areas that is it helps families kind of navigate through the cancer centers. And Do you find that you're more searchable? People are finding you more than they used to? Yes, 100%. That's so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one says, I can't wait to get a bone marrow transplant and find this organization. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say would be the leading, maybe the sources of how people find out? Is it the doctors? I mean, pediatrics is a very tight, close-knit ecosystem. So we're both pediatrics and adults. Right. And I think most of our programs are really well-known in all the social work departments around the country. And we have a great medical advisory board. We have a nursing board. We have a social work board. And, you know, we're giving out financial grants. We're giving out – we gave out free housing for – a couple of years through Airbnb, which was tremendous. And we have we have programs that are so needed that these folks find us. That's important. Yeah. I always asked, like, where's everyone else? Our data was, back then it was 72,000 AYAs diagnosed wow. every year. Yeah. Maybe we'd add two or 3,000 to a mailing list every year. Where's everyone else? How do they know we exist? And is it fair to blame them for not knowing? Is it fair to blame the doctors? I mean, the hospitals used to have these libraries where you could find everything because it's right there, paper in front of you, like yeah. going to a library. Now it's all ether yeah. and vaporware. Yeah, because you, you, you could put your brochures in the waiting rooms and all throughout the hospital. And now that doesn't happen. So it actually kind of is an issue because the turnover rate in hospitals, especially in oncology are pretty high in terms of social work and people are leaving and coming and then they don't know, they don't know who the Bone Marrow Cancer Foundation is because nobody told them. So it's almost like we have to reinvent and retell our story to all these kind of new cycle of social workers that are going through these hospitals. Yeah, and how are they going to consume resources to know, like it is, like I think like medical has up to date, which is even still hard to find, like what's the latest here and there? There is no up-to-date for the, the psychosocial support services. No, there's not. And that's a big issue. So that gets me thinking, you know, what can we do to make so that I feel so bad I, when I help certain families and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, there are a thousand, thousands more families like this family, but they don't know about us. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting the resources and the support that they could be getting if they only knew about our organization and the great work that we're doing. One of the most annoying phrases I kept hearing at Stupid Cancer was, if only I knew you were there when I needed you. And even though I'm going to advocate and tell everyone I know, how do you eliminate 
the if only I knew. That's where it has to become a household name, you, you know, your your programs and your organization. And I'll talk more about that when we talk about the app. Well, that's now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you made a very courageous decision to create a mobile app for connecting young adults or anyone with cancer for any, that matter. Any, anybody with cancer. So I have a weird story. This kind of went under the radar. No one knows the story. This is like a sub-basement 47 secret story. Mm -hmm. In 2014, <laughs> you may remember my co-founder, Kenny Kane, mm -hmm. big tall ginger guy. Yep. We had this crazy idea when, God, what app came out? There was some, some it wasn't Tinder yet. It was some kind of like match.com or mm -hmm. Jewish J-date, whatever. Yeah. Like, could there be a J-date for cancer? Yeah. And we found out that wasn't so easy to make apps back then. Yeah. <laughs> this was 2014. You had to hire and outsource some small company overseas and go through this insane wireframing and this UI and UX weren't words yet. They lived in video games. And we, we came up with a prototype called Instapeer. I don't know why we didn't call it the stupid cancer app, but Instapeer, which worked for maybe three months. And it was so buggy, we yeah. couldn't raise enough money to keep it because it becomes like a, a hole in the ocean you throw yeah. money into. I, I can only imagine it being a little more seamless to create mobile apps these days. What was your yeah. experience even ideating on it and yeah. getting it to market? It was an amazing experience, actually. I hate you. And, <laughs> and I, so I, I got divorced in 2020 of all years. So, you know, while everything else is going to hell, I also thought, you know, I might as well get divorced. And <laughs> why not? Why not? Checkbox. And I started to go on these dating apps and swiping and the light bulbs went off in my head. And I thought, I have to create this for cancer patients, for all cancer patients and not for dating, but to find peer support. Because we had a program at the Belmarion Cancer Foundation called Support Line, and right. we would manually connect people. Like MM and Angels used to do. Exactly. So we would manually do it, and it was, you know, very arduous and, and time consuming. And, you know, we could only do a certain amount a week. And I thought, gosh, this is the opportunity. We're now in 2020. We it's I gotta create an app for this. And I hired an incredible company and we built this app and it was fun. And I worked on it every day, often seven days a week in building it and creating the whole concept, very similar to the dating apps, except the, with all the different filters and you can filter in, you know, your diagnosis, your treatment, type of treatment, your age, your gender, what hospital you're at, if you're a a young student, you can what what college or university you're at, so that you can match with these other folks all around the country according to all these different filters. This just brings you back to my single days in the like late nineties, early two thousands. And there was – if anyone listening knows what the hell I'm talking about, just please just DM me somewhere and tell me you know what I'm talking about. There was a bar on the Upper West Side called The Drip. Okay. I, I, I'm proud of knowing this, but I'm not proud of knowing this. What The Drip was, it was a dating bar, but it was a matching bar. So basically it was – it's – this hasn't aged well. I'll just say that. Please don't hate on me for saying it this way. But women would basically leave their photo, 
and a profile in like an old school photo album, you know, with like the sticky rip off clear paper. Wow. So men would go to the bar. I mean, other people went, couples went, whatever. But if you went there as a single guy, you got to flip through these like like the old like Facebook. Like yeah. it was just like hot girl, hot or not, right? Yeah. Basically, in like a, in a photo album. That's and crazy. you told the the staff, I'm interested in connecting with this person, this person, this person, this person. So every now and then, whenever that lady came back into the bar, they would tell her, this guy, this guy, this guy. So it was up to the girl to decide if the guy was cute enough to meet, but you had to meet at Drip, and only Drip could connect you with the calendars. Wow. That's way before the dating Very innovative. Very. Hasn't really aged well. Yeah. But man, that was interesting. Yeah. I had to get that out of me. I haven't said that story in forever. That's but again, we're here sharing our history. Yes. How far we've come. Yeah. So I have so this app is called Cancer Buddy. Was that trademarked or you happened to stumble upon it? I trademarked it. God, that's great. Yes. IP I, I'm an IP nerd. Like I can't believe that wasn't taken. Good for you. Yeah. So Cancer Buddy, and it's a great name, and it is just an incredible, easy, effortless app, and you just get on and you put in all your personal and medical kind of information so that you can connect to the right people. And you could be in a hospital floor and you could be inpatient and you would maybe never know the person on the next floor or even down the hall from you. Mm -hmm. But with Cancer Buddy, you can get on and you could put in, you know, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center or whatever cancer center you're at. And that all the people at that hospital would pop up on your in your filter, and you could. It's then, not like geo-targeted, right? It's just based on your profile. This is based on yeah, but it is based on your profile. But if you want to connect with somebody in California or Texas or just in New York City, you just put that in as a filter. Not like, it's not like the Find My app with the no. with the Apple AirTags and no. no. your whatever no. in your IV bag. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that would be creepy. Yeah. So one of the issues we faced this is way back when when when. Like the Facebook terms of service, like you kill each other, like no yeah. accountability. Do you have moderators? And the reason I asked this question is there was an incident at, I'll just say, at a nonprofit organization that did matching where they never really kept up with the mentors mm-hmm. well. And one of the mentors relapsed, but they wound up connecting that person to a new fighter. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go well because the fighter was expecting to be given encouragement and mentorship, and they were met with something that really wasn't appropriate at the time. Are you concerned at all about not nannying, but the conversations happening in the app? So a couple of different things to answer that question is that it's all Mm self-reporting. So if you don't feel comfortable, you can either block or delete that person from your connections. And basically... We don't worry about that because you're going into the app as either a patient, a caregiver, or a survivor. Mm-hmm. And you also put in while you're there. Are you there to seek out information? Are you there to offer information? Are you offer support and caring for somebody else? Or what are you there for? So we have all these different little icons that represent while you're there. And it's it's like any social support network like Facebook or Caveat like any of these, it's, you have to do your own own judgment. Right. Yeah. I'd like to believe that society has uh, matured enough 
mm-hmm. that if it's a serious networking app like this and not a perhaps a potentially frivolous yeah. like the drip app <laughs> yeah. today, you're gonna be a little more mindful yes. of this. I, I would I would hate to think, you know, I'm I always go worse I'm Jewish and worst yeah. case scenario yeah. is like my my jam. And our we have groups on the app. Right. So we have a whole bunch of different groups that we've started and those are all moderated by a host. Good. So each group has either a social worker or a nutritionist or a nurse or a patient who is is moderating it. So those are all the groups are moderated. Are you collecting feedback? Yes. We are asking for stories and we're asking for feedback on what kind of groups people would like to see and have. And um, we want to hear people's experiences on Cancer Buddy. How often is the uh, 1.1 becoming 1.2, becoming 1.3? Yeah. Well, we, we, we're only in iOS right now. Okay. So this year we're raising funds for Android mm-hmm. and also for Spanish. Those guys suck. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lost one listener. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. No. I love you all. <laughs> and so we're, tra- we're doing Android this year and Spanish. But we only were launched in the Apple Store last June. And so it's really a new initiative. And how many users do you currently have? We have about 1,300. That's not too shabby. Yeah. Someone once explained to me, like, you know, people that host podcasts that have, you know, I reach 1,000 people a month. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in the Apollo Theater from 1,000 people. It's a lot of people to be talking to at a clip. So 1,300 is not so bad. Are you able to, like, message all of them at once? Like the admin says, Mm -hmm. you know, here's, you know, come to our gala. I just noticed you... You were with Michael Kors before this. Yes. I'm. Thank you for not packing me in your suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> but like Michael Kors is having a fundraiser on Tuesday. Everyone in the app gets to find out about it. Yes. Yes. We can send out a message and we have kind of quote unquote ads, but they're ads that are for patients and caregivers. So it's more informational ads, like where to get great chemo clothing, you know, mm-hmm. with ports or or um, where to get where the best camps are for your kids to go that have cancer, right? And things like that. So we're really trying to give great resources to our community, and I really want to build a community to connect all the cancer community together, and not have them so segmented out according to your hospital. Well, I like to make sure that platforms are collaborative and not competitive. And yes. There are a bevy of organizations and private sector platforms that are out there. They all do very different things, thankfully. You know, some of them are evidence-based. Some of them are purely for trial enrollment. Some of them are for calendaring and scheduling. But picking your lane and doing it right is really important. And yeah, I want to be the bullhorn. Everyone listening, everyone that knows me. Here's here's another fabulous 21st century post, I don't know, post housing collapse, (laughs) post... (laughs) getting TikTok out of our classrooms resource, that is actually helping people. Yeah. I want to collaborate with other organizations and and there's no competitiveness here. I want to bring as much support to the cancer community as possible and offer as much support to these other organizations to share their great resources and programs. There's no other way to do it than that. Yeah. Brings back a conversation I had with Heidi Adams of Planet Cancer at mm-hmm. Livestrong in 2006. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was the 
second meeting of the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance. It was right before everything became official in 07 in Austin in the fall. And Stupid Cancer was going to be birthed that coming January. And she said, collaboration should be the new competition. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that that was the dogmatic philosophy of all the young adult organizations that we lifted each other up together. And yes, if you needed something that was um, geographical in your body, there are great companies for that. But if you needed something that was community-based, we are all together. Mm-hmm. I like to believe that what you're bringing to market is very important. It lives in that space. Yes. I'm trying to really, you know, even some hospitals have said to us, like, would you white label this for us? And my answer is a clear no, because I want to bring everybody together as a community in this cancer community and not have us all separated and segmented by, you know, each hospital and I want everybody to be able to connect with each other and share resources and support and and everything that they need to get through this horrendous time in their lives. You sound like a nonprofit founder. I am. You are proudly. I am. Christina Merrill is the founder, longtime founder, 30-year founder and CEO of the Bone Marrow and Cancer Foundation. My dear friend, the app is Cancer Buddy, available on iOS, mm-hmm. Android forthcoming. And we are... Also on Instagram and social channels, Cancer Buddy app. Cancer Buddy app on all the social channels. Yes. All right, listeners, check it out. Let us know what you think. Enjoy it. We're here. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been great. And I'm excited to share all this great work that we're doing at the organization and Cancer Buddy. My dad would say it's good to be seen. So good to see you. All right, take care. Bye, everyone. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us, and we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com.